0: Welcome to Episode 7 of Series 4.
1: Welcome to My Beautiful Stories, our conversations about finding the magic in the mundane.
0: If you enjoy My Beautiful Stories, please support us. We are currently unfunded and all your support is gratefully received.
1: Today's story was sent in by Sophie Caldecott. Sophie is a writer and you can find out more about her in the show notes of today's episode.
2: As a cradle Catholic, I grew up surrounded by imagery of the saints and relics. Anything could be a relic, from the mundane to the macabre. Bones, teeth, locks of hair, pieces of fabric that touched a saint's body, a sock. The simplest of objects worn smooth by fingers long dead and gone, framed in gold and tenderly venerated by generations across the centuries. A relic is a reminder that we're not just spirit, that our bodies matter too, and that this material world has a kind of sacred meaning of its own. The more gruesome bodily relics always repulsed me on some level as a child. It's hard to face the vivid reality of our body's slow decay. But since losing my dad to cancer in my twenties, relics have become an important part of my life with grief, a way of grappling with the uncomfortable fact of our mortality. Letters he wrote me, ordinary treasures before he died take on an extra significance as the only way I can now feel physically close to him. Tracing the words his pen wrote on the page with my fingertips, the places where the ink smudged, A shell or pebble picked up casually by a loved one on a beach one sunny September day becomes a relic when they are gone. A present they carefully picked out for you is one of the few remaining ways you can hold and touch them, their love manifest in an object you can feel the weight of in your own two hands. Here is the story of one of my most treasured relics, then. One blustery day last October, I sat by the fire at my sister's house, unwrapping an early birthday present from my sister's partner. He was one of the kindest, gentlest and most observant people I knew. He had observed, for example, how much I love hot chocolate, how much comfort it gave me during lockdown, my equivalent of a cup of tea, a properly made coffee or a cigarette enjoyed in five minutes of stolen time on the doorstep. It marked the moment in the day that was just for me to be alone with my thoughts. He also observed that I liked to make it slowly, the old-fashioned way, that I didn't like microwaves, that I'd rather drink it made with real chocolate than powder. He noticed that I'd scratched up one of my cooking pans, heard me worried out loud about whether I had damaged the teflon with my whisk and was drinking carcinogenic milk as a consequence. His present for my 33rd birthday, then, was a blue and white enamel milk pan for my hot chocolate-making habit. The last texts we exchanged were about the pan – He asked if I'd perfected the technique, and I told him I had, that I had been having a hot chocolate a day since he gave it to me, and I couldn't wait till we were together at Christmas so that I could make him one. Two days after my birthday, this beautiful man died in an accident. One moment he was there, sturdy, reliable, the source of so much joy and comfort and fun. The next he was gone, where we couldn't follow. The day of his funeral, my sister picked up a package addressed to him that had been waiting at the post office. Inside were two bags of single-origin hot chocolate buttons, 65% Peru, from a coffee roasting company based in Cornwall. My sister told me he had tasted this hot chocolate years ago in a little cafe in Falmouth, and he had mentioned he wanted to track it down to give me some for Christmas. He must have ordered it just before he died. That night I whisked everyone up a hot chocolate in the enamel milk pan and staring at the full moon through scattered clouds with a warm mug of rich cocoa in my hands it felt for just a moment like a hug from him. A relic is a touchpoint between the physical and spiritual, between this earthly life and material world, and the mystery of life beyond our frail and sacred bodies. Each morning now, when I grasp the handle of my milk pan in my hand and slowly whisk a handful of chocolate into the milk, I feel myself engaged in a ritual with a relic that somehow brings me closer to the wonderful man we've lost. We're learning to hold on to these moments, as fleeting as they may be, to have faith in the sense of connection with the ones we've lost that these objects can give us. Thank you so much, Sophie,
1: for sending us this beautiful and extremely moving story. Losing someone is extremely difficult and we can never place ourselves in your shoes, but We hope that you and your family are slowly finding ways to live with this new reality. And before we start a conversation for today's episode, I must say that after we listened to your story, we both fell silent for a sizable amount of time and we are still (laughs) experiencing some of that silence. We're still gathering our bearings.
0: Perhaps if I can start, I wanted to pick up on the art of gift-making. You described how your sister's partner was perceptive and observant and tried to understand you and make you gifts that were meaningful and appropriate for you. And I think it is an art, and especially in today's world where it's just easy to spend money um on anything it's it's hard and even and becomes harder to make those kind of personal gifts i remember perhaps when i was younger and i was expecting more uh, valuable gifts from my parents or i remember when i was young And my brother got me my first MP3 player and he knew I'd kind of like to listen to music on the go and didn't have any appropriate equipment for it. That was meaningful. But I think as we got older, that kind of meaningful gift became more and more important. That reminds me of an anecdote from when I was in the primary school. And uh, we were asked for, uh, just before uh, Christmas, that was a tradition in Poland, to to get gifts for other people. And for some reason it was decided that that year boys would get girls' gifts and girls would get boys' gifts. And we thought it would be super funny to get all the girls' underwear. I mean, so that would be hilarious. Uh, Our teacher didn't think it was. And her response usually to when we did something naughty, like skip school or did something like that, was write an essay, what's an appropriate gift to give someone, and make your parents sign it. And we had to do quite a bit of research. What is an appropriate gift? What's too personal? What's right? Um, and I just stuck in my memory as a funny story. But I think often we don't put enough effort to think about it. We just kind of for uh, occasions like Christmas or birthday, just go with whatever shops push into us. And again, I would say that's just I. I try to be, I myself try to be a bit more personal, but it's often hard. And I think your sister's partner seems to have got it perfectly right.
1: There is also something to say about the quality of the friendship that you had with him, isn't there? Which led to a quality gift. Because I guess part of being a good friend is accepting the other person for who they are, recognizing who they actually are. And encouraging them in whatever their... um, Favorite thing to do is, or you know, their passions
0: are. Gee, you you made it sound as if drinking a hot chocolate was like a gambling habit, or. <laughs> 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 but it's fine. We like it as well.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I quite like a hot chocolate myself, and I think if someone bought me an enamel pan, I would feel so seen, so loved.
0: Yeah, but I also, when you were telling that story, I was thinking, hmm. I would have a cup. And with all this, like this nice cocoa, single origin, proper quality, uh, I realized how I was cheated throughout my childhood with some of the powdered stuff, which was just horrible.
1: Your story also brought something else to mind that I've been thinking about a lot since we started this series of this personification of objects that we have been doing here. Because I had a small realization myself, I realized that as the series progressed and we recorded more episodes, I became more in touch with certain objects in the house and gradually more detached from others. And these are the ones that didn't seem to carry any meaning. And it's almost, it's been easy to remove some of these objects that I now deeply sense were never loved.
0: Looking at our garage, looks like we could have been even more brutal with some of the unloved objects. (laughs) But now do I have to wait till spring?
1: And I guess I become more and more attracted to this idea of certain objects being relics for us and us not even realizing that that's what they are. And I wonder whether for me personally the connection is not also a little bit spiritual or religious like Sophie mentions as well. Um, So let me explain a little. I come from a Greek Orthodox tradition I'm not a Catholic like you Um, and in the Greek Orthodox Church saints relics are worshipped as equal in holiness with the saint that they belonged to and these relics can be not just the remains of the earthly body of the saint but also they can very well be things that are closely associated with them like a crucifix or a piece of clothing and in the Greek Orthodox Church, we are so indebted to our relics that we carry them from church to church, we prostrate ourselves in front of them. Well, I, I don't, but other people do. Um, and there the generally is a belief in their miraculous powers.
0: And me being Catholic, I must say, there's definitely more intensity in relation to all those relics, but also sometimes just ordinary pieces of clothing, or even a priest. We, when we last been to Romania... Our girls a bit shocked because the mass also looks very different to um, to the mass in a in a Catholic church where priest is normally hidden. The altar is kind of hidden from the uh, from the rest from the uh, gathering. And at a certain intervals, the priest comes out, blesses everyone, and goes back in and cl- locks the door behind him. And at some point, the priest came out and a lot of well not everyone but some of the people in the church when as he was walking through the church kind of pulled out his clothing just to touch him and our girls thought it was kind of some kind of an assault on the priest as he was being pulled by all sorts of people from from different sides but they were just trying to touch his clothing that was the whole purpose of it
1: yeah because they believe in this miraculous power of that garment So what I'm trying to say is that um, things are more precious if they have a connection with a person. I guess by their simple proximity to an individual, they can gain a certain holiness. They become more than just things. And if we consider things that were left behind by loved ones in this way, we become rich all of a sudden because we are surrounding ourselves not just with materials, but with people. Some people surround us in their original, carnal shape, like you are sitting here next to me. And some, like this box that I have on my windowsill, made by grandpa, in their relic form. Relic is connected to the verb relinquere in Latin, which means just that, to leave behind. How wonderful to know that as humans, it is somehow possible to leave behind memories imprinted in things. That a part of us transgresses mortality and becomes somehow part of our loved one's reality.
0: Can I just come here, come in here, in defense of that part of the population that may be, for whom it's not so easy or obvious to... uh, to make and understand relics, uh, I think you need to have a bit more kind of artistic inclination, where you see these when you touch things, when you see them differently, when you can make that connection with things. I must say I struggle with it. I struggle with making gifts and creating those uh, those meaningful objects, but also uh, in perceiving them and and using them as a, as a as a giver, but also as a user. Uh, it's it's always tough for me, even even after my... I, I lost also my parents off in the 20s. And I found it hard to create any meaningful objects. Uh, they didn't have kind of many interesting objects, but I'm sure if I had that inclination, I would have been able to create something. But I just found it really hard.
1: You have a point. I think there is an element of, I don't know what, maybe sensitivity or maybe just paying attention because, yeah, it's the opposite for me. These kind of things jump at me and I actually experience joy when I go back to Romania and, <laughs> and discover yet another thing that reminds me of someone as is really meaningful in some way and I can bring it home and cherish it. But going back to this beautiful milkpan story, how wonderful if what we are remembered by is such an altruistic gesture of pure love as Sophie's friend. Is this not what we all aspire to, to leave behind something good, to leave behind us a signature of love? And is that not what carries further and more powerful than anything else?
0: Before we give this week's recommendation, just a qualification that Sophie, we did hesitate so that it doesn't seem insensitive or that we are trying to trivialize your experience, but we just thought that even though the title might sound like a horror movie, uh, it's, it's a beautiful meditation on loss and kind of life and how we move on from loss and what it means. And the title we're recommending is a film, A Ghost Story by David Lowry. And and as I say, it's it's I think it plays on our expectations what this film might be. Uh and the pace of it is probably not for everyone, but it's just very, very beautiful and very meditative.
1: And I guess we are recommending this film because what was very moving about the Milpan story and very recognisable to many of us, I expect, was this yearning to speak to those we have lost, to touch them or be touched by them in some way, to retain some of that magic. It's um, something that I I definitely recognise. You just want to share our news and hear their replies. In some way, we want to be haunted. And yeah, this uh, this film deals with that really beautifully. This is it for this week. Thank you again, Sophie, for sharing this very moving story.
0: Thank you, and until next time. Until next time.
1: For more My Beautiful Stories, go to stories.com. You can also find details there on My Beautiful Stories Coffee Club, where you can support us.